Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. Hey, hey, everybody, I'm Steve Azar. Mississippi, Mississippi beautiful studios. That's right. Want to know what it takes to win gold, be a world champion, and own a stack of speed records on the coldest and slickest surface in sports? Today's guest knows firsthand with the legendary Dan Jansen. What's up, Dan? How you doing? I'm good, buddy. Let's talk about your event that you do, um, your foundation, your uh, and and you know it's close to your heart and and it's leukemia, right? <clears throat> I'm sorry, le- leukemia, correct? Yeah. So it's I mean it, it, it's a, a bit broader than that, but but it start it sort of derived from that. I lost my sister to leukemia back in 1988, um, mm-hmm. which was. You know, they remembered you know the day of my race at, at those Olympics. Right. Um, but uh, since then, yeah, I started my foundation, and we—it's sort of related cancers. But what we do is we help. Um, so when when Jane, my sister, was sick, she she had just had her third child, and uh, mm. and so she was. You know, we have nine kids. I'm the youngest of nine in my family, and Jane was the youngest of the five girls. Anyway, she had to have her transplant, a bone marrow transplant, up in Seattle, and uh, you know we're from Wisconsin, so we, for really the better part of a year, we were traveling back and forth. Jane lived in Seattle for a year, being treated. My mom and dad were living there as well, and the rest of us kind of going back and forth. And I realized, you know, how how taxing that is on families. Um, you know, the the medical expenses are one thing, but the the non medical expenses are are tough as well and uh nobody really helps with those and so so we help families with with those types of things whether it's paying you know paying their electric and gas bill for a few months or a car payment or hotels or travel things like that that uh that they they really add up for these for a lot of these families so um it's really been worthwhile and that's that's sort of the direction the foundation has gone although we still do other things we do scholarships for students and so forth but uh, right. the family aid fund has really uh, has really been the main wow. thing so close to i, I mean i mean we, my brother <clears throat> for us it was saint jude anytime you're dealing with uh, can, uh cancer of any type it's uh it's something yeah. that we got to just make ourselves aware of because it's just uh, there's so many great uh there's golfers against cancer there's what you do everybody's on the attack 
But uh, yeah. it's just something that we just can't let our guard down because it just affects so many of us. As we get older, Dan, as you can tell, even, you know, we start seeing a lot of our friends with all sorts of cancers. So it's a, it's a, you wake up the next morning, uh, you know, praying that you're healthy. And, and, and I, God bless you for all that you're doing there. I want to I wanna go back now. You, you talk about growing up. I've, I'm buddies with Steve Lundquist. been a long, long time, and Trent Demas, and, and their journeys mm-hmm. to gold, where Steve, his obstacle was – well, it was the 1980 Olympics, and and uh, President right. Carter boycotted. So he was in great yeah. shape, ready to fly uh, or swim in that in that case, and uh, he wasn't able to compete. And then with Trent, he you know he grew. He was the tallest guy. A lot of obstacles for Trent. It took it took two Mississippi minutes to get the story out with him. Mm-hmm. But but in your case, it took a minute. I mean, although you were always, it seemed like the guy that was predicted. Uh, you know, to compete for gold, you had some obstacles along the way, and and then, but but it didn't stop you. So take me back growing up. Uh, I always like to find out where there are other sports that were sort of occupying your time, or, or when did you go all in uh, a speed skating? Yeah, so I, I did. Uh, I grew up playing all sports. I was, I was very athletic and pretty good at, at most sports. And as I said, the youngest of nine kids, which I think really helped in that sense because uh, I just, I always had my brothers and sisters to play with from the time I can remember and not only to, you know, to to play and compete with them, but I I never really thought anything of it. Okay, they're older than I am, they're bigger and stronger, but I can do what they can do. And so it's sort of, uh, I think it was a really good thing for, for my mind as well, just, you know, never was never really intimidated by by others and um so when i i made the decision so i started skating at four but i always it was what we did in the winter in wisconsin you know and mm-hmm. i and i playing all other sports finally i guess when i was about 14 um i was already national champion in in my age group but still playing the other sports and then um that was also the year of the 1980 Olympics in Lake Placid, where you remember the miracle on ice, the oh, yeah. you know U.S. hockey team won gold. Well, there was also another, <laughs> maybe you know, to me maybe the greatest uh, individual at Olympic feet ever, a man by the name of Eric Hyden, uh, right. speed skater who, and Eric won five five gold medals in in Lake Placid. Well, we only have five races. He won them all from <laughs> 500 meters to 10,000 meters, and. And so when I watched Eric, you know, I knew him already and saw him training every day on the same ice I did. That's when I knew I wanted to go to the Olympics. And so at 14 is when I sort of, sort of that dream was there. Um, at 16, two years later is when I really said, okay, I'm going to train year round. Uh, I'm going to, I'm quitting football and, and the other sports are going to have to go away. And so, um, so that's when I when I made that full time commitment, and then it it really is your training year round. Even though we might not have been on the ice, you know, in the summer, we're we're right. still training, cross training, weight training, cycling, running, hills, stairs, all kind of, anything you can think of for our speed and strength, endurance, all of that. Did you, you mention? Uh, okay, it's five goals, right? He 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 wins five yeah. goals. Uh, is that like in comparison? To a guy that uh, is a sprinter uh, and exactly. a marathon 
can run a marathon in one body? So, yes, it is. And so here's what I always tell people. It's, okay, maybe, maybe don't stretch it to the full marathon, but it's like, it's like Usain Bolt winning the 100 and 200, but he also can run a 10K and beat those guys. That's what it's like. It really is crazy. It's <laughs> never, ever going to be done again. No, and so, okay, yeah. so, so you, you have this. Now, how old are you in 80? Uh, 14. Okay, so that's when you're 14, and you and you you're saying you're a national champion, so you could compete. Did you did your legs starting to get thick? You know, you guys have crazy legs. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> unproportionately um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, at, at that time I was. I mean, I, yeah, I guess they were like more than most kids at school, but I hadn't I hadn't really hit my growth spurt yet until I was about 16, and then I sort of puberty really hit and then I then I, I grew and um, and it all kind of came together so when I was 16 the, the yeah the growth helped I started to really get a good feel for the ice I mean what I consider I mean I obviously was pretty good at, at a young age too but but I started to really learn it and then um, you know I made my first junior world team at 16 so at that point, that time, I'm already traveling right. to Europe twice a year. I'm, you know, I'm a junior in high school, and I'm, I'm in Europe four months a year. So it was interesting and different lifestyle, but I uh, wouldn't trade it for anything. Did you have to leave home and, and go all into, like, yeah. sort of the Olympic training? Uh, what well, was, what yeah, was like? um, not necessarily out like Colorado Springs, although we would go there a couple weeks in the summer for training. But... Um, uh, we would tra- have to travel and live in in Germany because they didn't they would get ice earlier than us back then there were no indoor ovals uh, it was all outside right. and and um, there was one track in the United States uh, well there's two I guess but they were both outdoors Milwaukee and Salt and, uh, and Lake Placid but they we didn't get ice here until you know mid November maybe and they would they would make ice in Germany October 1st. So those six weeks of ice time were huge. So we would go there uh, for two months in the fall, come home for the holidays, and then go back for competition season, you know, um, after Christmas and, and for another two months because most of the World Cups uh, were took place in Europe. So we would base ourselves in Germany and travel from, from there to the competition and then go back there. So... Uh, this little town in Germany became home away from home, and it's just a beautiful little town in the Bavarian part of the the country, and uh, just love it there. A lot of Germans uh, uh, made their way to Wisconsin, to Arkansas. My wife's got some German blood in her, and Swiss. Mm-hmm. So obviously, uh, like uh, Wisconsin's love to drink their beer. I've done the anthem. I, I think I think eight <laughs> times uh, in, in Lambo. Uh, so I spent, yeah, a, lot, I spent right? a lot of time oh, nice. with Favre in the heyday. So it was a lot of fun. There you go. And, uh, yeah, I've been. Cool. A, I was a Packer fan as a little kid and a Saints fan. So I was sort of torn between the two. Had nice. dad and brothers. Most a lot of my family went to Notre Dame. So they 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 ventured uh-huh. into the Midwest from Mississippi. So it was. Uh, so I had that going. But we're talking to Dan Jensen, the legendary gold medal winner, world champion. I'm Steve Azar. You're in Mississippi Minute. We're gonna keep it going. In 
a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Always good to keep Mississippi beautiful. That's what studio we are dwelling in right now. I'm with Dan Jansen. I've got him occupied for an entire Mississippi Minute. We're talking to Dan Jansen. Dan, was there anybody else world-class athletically or talented enough just didn't put the hours in in your family? Yeah, in fact, uh, my brother Mike, he's the next closest in age to me. He's only, he's what, he's 20 months older than I am. And he, he was very talented. I, uh, he did put in the time here. I think his biggest issue was he was, he was a really good football player in high school. Um, and really, he did, he, he didn't, because he wasn't sure, he, he did both, but I think he put, he, he didn't put the time in at a certain age, I think, that I did. So then, after that, he did make a decision to go to skating, but, mm-hmm. you know, it was maybe a little too late. He, having said that, he was still, uh, he skated a couple world championships with me. Um, he, yeah. however, he missed two Olympic teams by about a tenth of a second. Oh, and God. So it was really heartbreaking because, he, uh, I mean, you know, all he wanted to do was get there to make the team and, you know, and represent the U.S. Um, you know, I my dreams, that was how I was in my first games. After that, I was favored every time. Right. But, um, you know, Mike's dream was just to get there, and it was it was tough to see him uh, just miss Was out. it bittersweet? You remember the feeling sort of when you when you made oh, it and he didn't? It's tough. Very much. I mean, I it, it was a it was an odd feeling because. You know, number one, I'm I'm younger than he is, and and uh, it was it really hurt. Like it it hurt. I hurt probably worse than he did for him. And uh, you know, and it was strange because I I get back um, from my first Olympics. I was 18 in my first Olympics, and right. Um, you know, I, I I went over there as I said, just kind of happy to be there, and uh, and I end up finishing fourth place. I almost won a medal, and I I'm, I get home and I'm. Most of the reaction was, you know, like, God, oh, that's too bad, you know, fourth oh, yeah. place. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, fourth at the Olympics is really not that bad. Um, but people think about medals, and, and right. that's kind of what the press does to that. But more so, I was thinking, you know what, you know, Mike would have given anything just to, to be there and just to compete at the games. And, and you're telling me it's too bad because I got fourth. And so... You know, I learned a lot of perspective uh, from that, you know, and then, of course, later with losing my sister, right. the most perspective you can possibly gain. So, right. But it was, you know, all goes into being part of a big family. Right, right. We're talking to Dan Jansen. Disappointments. I, I mentioned that along the way because it took you a second to get your gold. Now, you were, you were, mm-hmm. you were vicious on, uh, and with all the records that yeah. you were accumulating along the way. What was it about the Olympics? And I guess I want to ask two questions. One, what was it about it then for you that may have put a little more pressure, you think, or because or, you were booking? I remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you yeah. were on fire, if you can be on fire on ice. But uh, And then also, has the Olympics sort of, maybe with other sports, I think, maybe more spring sports, I mean, summer sports, had you feel like it's lost a little bit of something because – professional athletes getting to play and and you're you know you know what i'm saying maybe in 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 regard to yeah. sort of the you think about miracle and lake placid so you think about those college right. kids right 
I guess right. maybe that's what I'm thinking. Uh, um, no, you know, it's funny you ask this because I think it was literally two days ago somebody asked me this similar question about this. And, well, first of all, you know, I'll go back to the first part of that question in terms of myself. Um, at the Olympics, yes. I mean, I have won 46 World Cup races. I, I was world champion a few times. I um, set eight world records. So I, I did all that. I did everything I could. And then the Olympics weren't happening for one reason or another. Now, the, the first first one, as I said, I was 18. I was happy to be there, and I did well. Second one, I was favored for the first time, and that's when my sister passed away that morning. And so that one, I almost, you know, I... I almost don't even count that as a, no. uh, you know, as some, no, you're some people say, well, you, yeah, you're yeah right. And it, it was it literally, you know, out-of-body experience. And right. um, so then after that, now the story's starting to grow, right, because of what happened in 88. Mm-hmm. So I go four years later, and I'm now I'm favored again. And, uh, and I just, and I go to France, Albertville for that one, and, uh, set a world record two weeks before and then I think we just got a little flat we rested I think too much and got a little flat and I just got fourth I mean three guys beat me and I I didn't skate poorly I just just didn't happen having said that two of the guys had never beaten me before had no business beating me um, but I know in my heart that I it wasn't nerves I was I felt great I felt confident I just felt flat and then you know, then now, of course, the story is, is, is about, well, their story is about failure more than anything. And so it start, it's hard, you know, it's hard because, yeah, I'm winning everything else, but then now the, they're writing about me that I can't handle pressure and whatever. Yeah. Well, it's only been really, you know. It's only been five couple, years, really, right? Yeah, and, and, and you know, two of them I had a pretty good excuse, and then this, this one Olympics didn't go my way but and now i'm getting this title as the guy who can't handle the pressure right so then the top, to, to make it even worse i go into lillehammer the 94 my final games my fourth game more favored than i'd ever been now nobody's touching me i've got the five fastest times in history going in in, in the 500 <laughs> meters um and i get off to a good start i get to the last turn again i'm 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 feeling great and confident and yeah, there's nerves, but I, I never even skated well unless I was a little bit nervous. Right, like that's I, just sports, I, I, right, in general. Yeah, right. you need something to yeah. pump you up, right? And so I felt, I didn't think I felt overly nervous. But anyway, I get to the last turn, and I, maybe I was overconfident. I pushed a little too much early in the turn, and the ice broke away underneath me, and, and I slipped. Now, I didn't, I didn't fall, but people think I fell because that's the title I got after, after 1988. But right. I slipped, and I slipped a lot. Like, the whole last turn was a waste. And so when that happens in, in that sprint race, you know, you're not going to win a medal. And so now I've got I got one chance left, and it's 1,000 meters. 1,000 meters was not my best race, and it wasn't my favorite by any means. But, but I still knew that I was skating well, and I was still, you know, I think everybody by this point had sort of given up on me, right. but I, I knew how I felt. And so... Um, you know, I had one last chance and, and I, uh, 
you know, it just sort of came together. It was one of those things where I was like, this this is it, you know, in a little over a minute, your Olympics are done. And, um, you know, I, I was at peace, though, you know, it, going through all of what I did, and I say I, and I, you know, I should say we as a family and my sister and all that, it was, you know, it, it, as I said, it brings it brings sort of a perspective to it. And I, and I thought, you know what, I I know for a fact that, that 20 years from now, I'll be able to live with whatever happens because there's not one thing I could have done to be, to be better than I am right now. Like I, I truly believe I did everything training wise, physically, mentally, everything. And so then all you can do is go out and skate. And if, if it goes well, then great. And if it doesn't, you know, yeah, you may have a title that you don't want, but (laughs) deep down inside, (laughs) you're going to, you're going to be okay with it, you know? And, um, course i'm happy it turned out the way it right. did i set a world record and i and i did win gold finally but uh yeah it was, what was, was that a feeling long, what was can you remember oh the feeling God. like when you finally just uh i mean because you'd had you'd had you won plenty of gold medals for world championships right. so right. i mean what was it what was so it like it was it, it was such the first first emotion i guess was just relief i look up and I see the time and a big WR next to it, which is world record. And and I was just relieved, first of all. First of all, I hadn't won yet because there were still 30 guys who had to go. Now, realistically, I knew one or maybe two had a chance of getting close to that, but I, I kind of had a good feeling <laughs> um, that, it, you know, that a gold would be mine. But... I was so relieved that I skated to my potential at the Olympics finally. And, you know, it was like, if somebody beats me now, then congratulations. Exactly. You know, I, did, I did, yeah, I did exactly. what I We're, we're talking to Dan do, Jensen. So. I love it. I love this. Hey, Dan, yeah. so I know that you, that you can rock the ice, but we're the music. We are the birthplace of American music in Mississippi. So what we're all about. So you get to play DJ. <laughs> Into the break. It's yep. part it's part of my All deal. Right. I love celebrating our Mississippi artists. Would you like to hear a little Bo Diddley or BB King? Oh, yeah, I got nice. you. I know. I'm not messing around. You know what? Um, little BB King, please. I like it. I like it. I spent the last year and a half with a lot of his bandmates making a record and touring. We're with the fabulous, cool. legendary Dan Jansen. Uh, finally got his gold medal right here on in Mississippi Men and Steve A. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're rolling together, you and me, right here from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I'm Steve Azar. I'm back with Dan Jansen, and he's my third gold medal winner uh, to ever interview uh, with 
uh, talking about uh, Trent Demas and gymnastics and, and Steve Lundquist and swimming. Uh, Steve had a lot of world records as well. Um, Trent's road to success being tall. He, got, he grew tall. Uh, he was pretty rebellious. And, and just his, I think his challenges were the regret that he quit in a, a, team, a college team that was doing great and he was an All-American. He, I mean, he just sort of had a, he sort of, his challenges were self-inflicted, it felt like. Lunk seemed like they were, because of the times in the, in the Cold mm-hmm. Wars and all, everything that was going on, he was affected by politics. And yours was, you, you, you had tragedy in your family. You had all these things that were happening uh, just in a tough time. Did you feel, I mean, I, I compared this to like when Mickelson finally won, won, a, won his, you know, he finally won a, his green jacket, finally won a major or, uh, you yeah. know, think about a, a basketball player. Um, I'm trying to think about one that just won one uh, championship. Um, you, you know, you were toward, you were at the end, right? Did you? Yeah. I mean, this was, is it 16 years? You're t- how old were you when you won gold? Yeah, well, I was 28, so because, I mean, if you count, but that's counting the first Olympics on day one. You know, that's that's not counting the years leading up to that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it truly was about uh, 12 or 14 years internationally leading up to that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a long haul. And, you know, again, the... the the other things in between. So the tough thing about the Olympics, the you know the the harsh thing and the beautiful thing, and and Lunk knows this as well is like it's once every four years. We don't have a, we don't have four majors every year. We, you know right. Right. Uh, we don't have a Super Bowl or World Series every year. And so, in fact, you know, getting maybe changing subject but not changing subject uh, along those lines. I, I spoke. To, uh, it, in 2016, when the games, the summer games were in Rio, um, you know, golf was back in the Olympics for the first time in, in 100 years. So the USOC, the Olympic Committee, asked me to come in and speak to the golf team. So I, I got to go and speak to Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson, Kucher, and, wow. uh, yeah, and, and and Patrick Reed, and so I told those guys. I said, I because I wanted them to understand what what the Olympics meant to someone like me. When it's not, you know, although it's all, it's kind of all I did. It's not like I'm making a big living doing it. These guys make a lot, a lot, a lot of money doing what they do. You know, and 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 so the Olympics for us is everything. It's all like it's kind of all we dream about and. For them, you got guys pulling out of the Olympics. You know, I'm not going to, you know. And so I said, guys, here's what you have to understand what the Olympics mean to someone like me. I said, imagine, imagine you, I said, imagine you, first of all, you only have one major. So pick one. Let's say it's a Masters. And I said, okay, now you just had one in April. There's not one next year, the year after that, or the year after that. Then on the fourth year, there's a Masters again. It's your only major. Yeah. I go, do you not think that, that the pressure would be multiplied Whoa, by be 100? Nuts. Nuts. Not, yeah, all of that. And that's exactly what it's like in the Olympics. And if it goes bad, it goes bad. And it's just, so there's there's timing that's involved. There's luck that's involved. I mean, like you say, with Steve, they, they boycott it. I mean, yeah. how terrible is that for these athletes? They don't, I'm sorry to say, but at that age, you really don't care what 
politics are going on in the world. You just want to compete and do your thing, and, and the president decides you can't go. You know, it's just uh, it's brutal. You, you bring up an interesting point. We're talking to Dan Jansen. Dan, you, right there, music seems to... It it doesn't know enemy. It doesn't know hate. You know, it brings people together mm-hmm. from all walks. I've seen it. I've been I've been uh, I've played music overseas in places where things weren't going so well uh, diplomatically and, and politically and all that. It, things were things were rough. But as yeah. musicians, it just came together and all all it, all it did was feel peaceful and and harmonious right. and beautiful. What do you think sports, uh, especially the Olympics? You think that when you guys go in to compete, but you know what, you know how hard everybody's fighting for it, and that mutual respect of how hard everybody's worked to get to that point, some harder than others. Do you think that that's an equal representation as far as uh, people coming together and forgetting about mm-hmm. everything else, and it's actually building blocks and uh, and an important thing for uh, for you know getting yeah. along? No question about it. I, in fact. It's a great point you bring up because I've said that all along. You know, it's it's that's what's great about the Olympics too is that you know we're you know we used to back you know for half of my career it was even before the you know the the wall came down it was it was back when there was in East Germany and you know, right. they were hardcore you know communist and and Russia and the same deal. Now we weren't. Well, I should say they weren't really able to uh, be friendly with us. We, you know, we would say hello in passing. We would say on the ice, maybe, you know, but they, you could tell they were watched very closely. Well, after 1991, I think it was when the wall came down, all of a sudden they're Westerners, and they, they became like, literally a couple of my best friends to this day. Uh, one used to be an East German, and he was my chief rival. And that's so special. That, that more importantly than any result I ever had on the ice was getting able to, you know, meet people from all around the world and become friendly with them and see that, mm-hmm. you know, I really, I don't care what your president or your government says or thinks. I, I know you as a person. And, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and that's what's great, too, about music. You get, it's a great point. I'm a huge fan of music and lyrics and it's just uh yeah. it's a great similarity well okay so your your buddy from east germany once you became friends after all the competition probably right probably a little bit uh mm-hmm. y'all probably were brought into all these legends of uh of skating and all these well, things yeah but we became friends during as well oh, okay sure. okay okay yeah. and and, yeah. and was was the friendship easier to happen like you just said before or after the wall came down yeah after for sure because most for the most part they their coaches and their handlers, if you will, they weren't really allowed to to go mingle or to go have a beer afterwards right. or whatever it would be. So, um, but once that came down, then it was they were just like us. It's just wild how how it brings the world together. We're talking to Dan Jansen. Uh, Dan, let's let's jump to coaching. So, coaching the Blackhawks hockey, right? You you spent some yeah. time with them. What was that like? As far because you grew up playing hockey, right? A little bit, you had to. Up. You know what? Actually, I, believe it or not, no. And, and it's strange because I, I was on speed skates at four, and, and that's what <laughs> I did. I never, I didn't play organized hockey. I I played some pickup stuff, but even that, not till I was like eighteen years old. Okay, in a rink, in a hockey a, a, a rink, right? Versus you, mm-hmm. you're being able to fly and get and grab rhythm, yeah. 
right it's all about rhythm and 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 catching that stride and just rolling with it but with that there's yeah. a lot of start and stopping a lot of this and that what would you work on uh another good question so we are so a lot of it the, the agility stuff you can do on ice you can do off and they do plenty of that so what i really my job was to get them to understand where their power comes from and and they i could save them energy um i can i can get them so if there's a race to the puck i can get them there faster and more efficiently um so number one uh you know kind of skating a little bit lower if you look at a speed skater we're very crouched now hockey has to be a little more upright because they're handling the puck and so forth but they can bend their legs a little more bring their butts down more importantly bring your knees underneath you so the these guys skate with real wide you know their knees they never bring them underneath their their midsection their core of their body mm-hmm. your power comes from your core your power doesn't really come from your legs so get your legs underneath your core and then you're really going to go and like if, if I could show you a video of a speed skater versus a hockey player, you would see it, you know, instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kinds of things, but but also as I mentioned, efficiency. And when they save energy, they got more, you know, more at the end of the third period than than they've had before. So that's that's important as well. I needed you back in the in my heyday. Uh... Uh, so a lot of times you'd go out and you get a little excited. I learned to I learned to cope with breathing. You know what I mean. You get out and you mm. get excited with the uh, the adrenaline of the crowds as they got bigger and bigger. And and uh, but I, eventually it became a normal thing. But you would have saved me a lot of breath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're talking to Dan Jensen, the legendary gold medal winner, world champion. I'm Steve Azar, you in this sixty minutes. working on making my mark on the music business. We wanted to build a house. There was only one bank that helped us do that. And while we were trying to find our way around, our friends at Guarantee Bank started on the journey with us and have been there ever since. They were always my connection back home when we lived in Music City. They believed in me. So when you need a financial institution to believe in you, give my family at Guarantee Bank a chance. With humble beginnings all the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products, only expected at much larger institutions. They are proud to be your local big-time bank. Please visit one of their 17 locations and tell them Steve Azar sent you. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Rocking with you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. We're talking to Dan Jansen, the legendary gold medal winner, world champion. I'm Steve Azar. You're in Mississippi Minute. And you talk about the core. Everybody's talking about that now. I've had a hernia in my stomach. 
from trying to move a railroad tie when I was in seventh grade. And and my uh, my wow. doctor buddy, I still play golf with Doctor. Believe it or not, Doolittle. He's really named Doolittle. He said, Steve, as long as you can keep your stomach tight, you're going to be okay. You got to push it back in a little bit, but you'll be all right. Um, and it's the upper stomach, and he's right. So I've just kept it. I've kept my that core tight as it can huh. be because of that, not because yeah. of any other reason. But but what is it about the core in in baseball and in tennis? You you see, uh, Nadal and these obviously not too far from winning the French now, and but everything's turning because I was a tennis player growing up too, and so the uh, just we we weren't ter- told to use our core. We weren't ter- told to yeah. fire everything forward, you know, and fire your body, face right. the target, and all that, you know. So, what is it? Who figured that out? Well, well, that's a good question. Who figured it out? But it's so. If you think about, uh, I mean, tennis is a good example. Um, you know, if you think about a, a a pitcher, a major league pitcher, you see the guys who use their legs and their core to throw because. Otherwise, it's all arm and shoulder, and that's not going to last very long. That's why there, there are less injuries now than there used to be because it was, it was so much just all arm and all shoulder. Um, you look at a guy like Roger Clements and look how strong his, his legs are, and, and he, mm-hmm. he, he can just see he pitches from the center, not, you know, not way out here. And so golf, it's similar. Um, yeah, these guys got tons of club head speed, but they're – but it all stems from from the middle part of their body, and then and then you know, and then they can whip. They can whip their hips. They can whip the rest of it. But yeah, it's it's um, who who discovered is a great question. But it's uh, I think with all the you know all the science, it yeah, just, these guys kind of go ah, here's where this power is coming from. Yeah, it's amazing. okay. Let's talk about your longevity because. Did did mm. you have some injuries because yours was long, and in and in speed skating was it unusually long? So it was unusually long to be, I would say, to be at or near the top for that long. Um, because once you're there, you know, everybody's gunning for you. And so then and it becomes more of a competition against yourself just to keep getting better and better. Um, yeah, I was, I was lucky in terms of injuries. Uh, I had a, a, a hamstring pull that kept me out just about for a whole season one time. But strangely enough, I... It was maybe the best thing that could happen to my me technically. I really learned how to skate with power then instead of kind of run um, mm-hmm. because I had to, you know. And, and so even injuries sometimes can be, you know, it sounds like it sounds strange saying they can be good, but you if you learn from them and uh, they, they actually can be beneficial. Uh, and then the other, the other thing that got me a little bit later in my career um, – was low lower back, you know, and because of our that more so just the position we're in all the time, and yeah. we crouched over like that, and also so more so than the skating itself, that's rather smooth in terms of emotion. But uh, off ice training, the weight training, and, and we did a lot of leaping and jumping and jumping with weights, and so then when you're landing. Um, that that can be pretty taxing on your back. So over the years, that got that got right. bad too. <laughs> but uh, let me ask you: uh, Why do you put your hand behind your back, and one's moving? Mm. It, it's pretty simple. The, the only reason is energy, saving energy. So okay, uh, the only race we skate with two arms down the full race is the 500 meters of sprint because it takes a ton of energy. Uh, anything further than that, and you're just you're just 
get tired. So you that you put one arm up there, and it's it's more relaxing. You're saving energy. Mm-hmm. En- energy, I get it. And then uh, broadcasting your whole broadcasting thing is it? Do you ever feel like you're jumping out of your skin a little bit? Are you content that you're not doing it anymore? <laughs> um, well, it's a big difference, you know. <laughs> it is a big difference. The first, for sure, the first games I did after I retired. And I, you know, it's not the saying I oh I could be out there, but I really could have still been out there, and so I felt like, uh, you know, like it, that one was tough. After that, maybe the next games, and you still like, uh, it would be more fun to be actually competing. But after that, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I like, I like the spot I'm in right now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's nothing, as you know, there's nothing like doing a show or, or competing or doing doing what you do um, rather right. than, you know, being an expert on it is fun too, but it's, there's nothing like doing it. Well, unless you're watching your kids do it, there's nothing yeah, better there you than go. that. That's, that's the coolest there thing, you go. especially Good when, they, when they get point. it right, right, when they start do, yeah. doing it right. Uh, yeah. It's an amazing thing. I've been with Dan Jansen in a Mississippi Minute. We're out of here. I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. all the way back to 1943. Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big-time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank with its 17 convenient locations help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. Mississippi Media Production.